What's going on, party people? We are back for another week of TV channeling. Yay! And first of all, this is not just any normal week of TV channeling. This is a special, special episode. And I'm so excited, but I'm going to hold back and let Kevin tell you who our special celebrity guest is. All right, you guys, Tachi is not kidding. This is a serious show. I hope you guys are all sitting down, and if you're driving, you need to pull over, because I don't want any accidents. Because we don't have any insurance anyway. (laughs) We do not. (laughs) And um, this, this guest could not be more special, because she was putting a shine on silver spoons. Uh, This woman was the matriarch of... uh, uh, family matters she is one of our favorite tv moms of the 80s 90s any decade yes we have joe marie payton yes the mom from family matters is on tv channeling can you guys believe it oh thank you kevin hello family <laughs> oh my god we are so excited to have you on the show miss payton and so it's not it's not just cool enough this woman is going to actually talk to us because I don't even know how that's happening. But she's also going to share with her us her list of her top five 80s TV shows of all time. And Tachi and I will be sharing ours too. But first, we're going to get to talk to Ms. Payton a little bit about her career. And so, Tachi, let's start it off. What do you want to say to Ms. Payton? Let's rock and roll, as she said. <laughs> I'm, I'm, first of all, I thank you so much for coming on TV Channeling. We are really honored and blessed that you decided to bless us with your presence thank today. You, thank you, guys. This is, this is like going to be the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, it will be. And, and I think uh, just to set a little bit of context, I'd like you to introduce yourself. We gave a, just a, a tip of the iceberg of what you've done, but what interesting Introduce yourself to the audience, please. Well, I'm just a simple little Miami girl uh, raised in a city called Opelika, uh, a.k.a. Miami Gardens, um, who actually, I didn't get into the business. People always ask me, say, how did you get into business? Business got into me at an early age, three years old. And I did my first wow. stage play what was your first job? And I've just been rocking and rolling, as they say, you know. Um, what was your first job? My first job was um, Truman Capote. No, it wasn't Truman Capote. It was, um, I want to say the grass harp. Truman Capote's grass harp, but it wasn't. It was a semi-professional show. I got paid for it, though. Uh, theater. I came from theater. My first union was um, Equity, Actors' Equity. Uh, Pinter's The Landlord. Mm. Harold Pinter's The Landlord was my first professional, semi-professional job where I got paid. And that was at the Merry-Go-Round Playhouse in Coral Gables, Florida. Okay, Coral Gables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is that playhouse still there? You know what? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, it was Ivan Kibitz. I'm not sure if it's still there. I know the famous Coconut Grove, which is where I left from our big union house, is getting ready to open up again under the wonderful direction of Mr. Joe Adler. I know that's still there. Uh, but 
I don't know. It's been a while mm. since I've been back there. Wow, wow. I'm not sure. I need to check on that. Check on that. Yeah. <laughs> so what is where where's the connection then between being at the Coconut Grove Playhouse and your move to LA? How did that happen? Well, you know, I auditioned for um the show Pearly after it left Broadway with Melbourne Moore and Cleavon Little, the tour. They had a tour and the tour actually started in Miami. And um, I was working at the time, but I was also doing community theater. And I had done Pearly a few months earlier, but I did another part, another role. I was, uh, oh, Miss Mamie, I think it was. I was singing. I was doing mm. a lot of singing. But when um, the show came to Miami and cast three people out of Miami, I was one of the three that they cast as a principal. And uh, I was Idella, the old captain's cook, so I didn't have any singing other than in the chorus. Uh, previous, prior to that, I was, I was one of the, you know, the leads that was singing. And, uh, but I did have to audition. And when I auditioned, I didn't have a photo, a resume, a piece of music or anything like that. I didn't have anything, uh, but some courage. Okay. And, uh, and my, uh, college professor, he was the one that took me down. His name was John Pryor. He said, you know, you really ought to audition for this. And I said, but I don't, I don't have a picture resume. I don't really know. He said, no, you should go. And I didn't have a car at the time either, so he came by my mom's house and he picked me up and he took me down there. And when I walked in the, in the door, it was Miss Joyce Brown, who was the first African-American uh, female conductor on Broadway. She actually was the first. And there was a gentleman by the name of Stockton Briggle, who was our director. And um, they were all sitting there with the producers and they say, can we have your picture? I said, I don't have one. They said, can we have your resume? I said, I don't have one. But I can see. So they said, well, okay, sing us a song. You have the music? I said, I don't have the music either. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they said, well, they all kind of looked at each other and said, well, all right. Well, sing a song. I said, if I should take a notion to jump into the ocean, take nobody's business if I do. And I just kept on singing. If my man ain't got no money, and I say, take all of mine, honey. Tain't nobody's business if I do. And they said, okay, <laughs> wait outside for a minute. And I waited outside, and then they told me, said, okay, you're hired. And I got my equity card. I became a professional actress. Wow. And when the tour left, we, we ran a month in uh, Miami, and then the tour went to Philadelphia. We were in playoffs in the round. From there, we went to the National in Washington, D.C., and then we landed in L.A., at the Aquarius Theater. We were supposed to go from LA to Vegas and then over to uh, Europe. But the show closed in Los Angeles and I stayed in Los Angeles and whew, I almost came home after a year because I was 3,000 miles away from home. I didn't know anybody. The show closed and Robert Guillaume was the star of the show. Robert Guillaume mm. played Benson and Patty Joe Dempsey and Ken Page and Norma Donaldson. It was a great, great cast. And they all went back to New York and they asked me to come to New York too. And I said, no, uh, I'm scared of New York because I had tried out for a play. I tried out for, um, ooh, what was, oh, The Wiz in, uh, uh, in New York when we were in Philadelphia. And I was scared of New York. I went there and I didn't have a good experience. Really? And so I never went to the audition. I got back on the, the train, went back to Philadelphia, and uh, I was just scared to go to New York. So when the show closed and everybody went to New York, I stayed in L.A., but then I was scared of L.A. too because I was 3,000 miles away from home. And I saw people pushing baskets. And yeah, I saw home. I had never seen that in Miami. I, I, I didn't know. 
about homeless people and skid row people. I didn't know that, although, you know, we weren't raised, I was, we were the poorest family on the block. We live in a house, but I, I didn't know about, I just didn't know about it. It was culture shock for me. And so I stayed anyway. I told my mom I was coming home. She said, no, it's not going to happen. You got to stay there. And so I stayed. And then lo and behold, I ran into my high school drama teacher who was a little Irish lady by the name of Peggy O'Hara. And uh, I'm going to get to the bar of the story. Anyway, Peggy came to a production of the show, came to the matinee, and her and her husband, who worked for the Shell Oil Company, the big weaver, left some flowers for me in a note and said, we're here in Los Angeles, and all of we like to take you out to, um, out to dinner and uh, come back and see the show. And I, I went crazy. And so we did. And so I hooked up with her in California, so it was nice for me. It made me feel better. But then I started getting lonely again, and I wasn't doing anything, so I told her I was going home. And she said, why are you going home? It's not going to happen. I said, well, I don't have any friends. I don't know anybody here. And she said, you know how to make friends. And I said, no. And she said, yes, you do. Get in a play. And so the first play I got in, here's where Truman Capote comes up. The first play I got in was Truman Capote's The Grass Heart. And one of the stars in the show was John Larroquette. That was my first stage production in, my, uh, in Los Angeles. Wow. And, uh, and they casting for a, they put on an ad casting for a quick study. And I told them I was a quick study, and I went in to uh, audition. Uh, the gentleman's name, uh, the director was Terrence Shank. And uh, I went in to audition about 10 o'clock that morning, and he told me, wonderful, and asked me if I could come back on that Wednesday. This was on a Monday. asked me if I could come back on that Wednesday. I didn't have any kids or husband, so I went home and learned the whole place. So I called him back about 2 o'clock, and I asked him if I could come to rehearsal. He said, yeah, you want to come and see the blocking? I said, no, I want to rehearse. So he said, are you serious? I said, I want to rehearse, you know. So we rehearsed. They changed the program. They got special mention. Like online somewhere was a big picture of me with this goldfish. And it's because the, the lady that was, that was playing this role you know, got in an automobile accident mm. and was unable to do it. So they had to replace it with me. And, and everything started taking off after that. Wow. That is an mm-hmm. incredible story. But my first national television uh, appearance ever on TV nationally was actually with the Red Fox Variety Show. I went in to Bly Einstein in Encino, California to um, to uh, interview, audition for the jazz singer. Georgia Brown was her name, the jazz the uh, jazz singer. And so I went over and uh, I think I was singing, a tisket, a tasket, red and yellow basket or something like that. I think that's what it was. And also, so you know, most of my big shows came from singing, right? And, uh, but at any rate, they gave me the, they said, you're hired. So I left there and they told me to go to CBS. And when I went to CBS, uh, which is off Fairfax and Beverly over there, the Red Studio was right across from where Carol Burnett, so I knew Carol Burnett and Vicki Lawrence and Dick Van Dyke, Tim Conway, I knew all, all of those people I knew. And I was singing one day. I did that one show, went to do one. Then they hired me to do six shows as George Brown, the jazz singer with Red Fox, Slappy White, Prince Spencer, and all those guys. And Tim Conway came in, I think after the second or third show, he came into the, uh, came on the set and I was singing something. I forgot what it was. And he started jumping up and screaming. So then he went back over to their studio. And the next thing I know, somebody was knocking on my door and I answered. I said, yes. And she said, hello, I'm Dinah Shore. And I said, yes, ma'am, you sure are. And she said, I was out there and I was listening to you singing. Tim told me about it. So that's how I met Dinah Shore. And, uh, but, uh, it just kept going after that. It just kept going. I did 12, 
I did 13 shows. I did six as a jazz singer. And then they liked me so much, they gave me a holding contract. And they hired me to do seven more as a, a Red's wife, uh, Victoria. Now, a little tri trivia for you guys. When Red Fox actually died, he and Della Reese were doing The Royal Family. Those characters were Alphonse and Victoria. They were the two characters that Red Fox and I did in oh. 1977. And prior to him doing that show, he asked me to do that show with him. I went to Vegas. He asked me to come to Vegas. I saw his show, and we talked after the show, and he asked me if I would do the royal family for him. But at that time, I think I was, I was just finished up Silver Spoons. I don't know. I was doing something, and I couldn't do it. And lo and behold, I didn't do that one, but I started Perfect Strangers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so. Wow. Oh, my God. It just, uh, oh, my God, Tachi. This may have to be a two-parter because this interview is insane, all the things we're learning. Um, okay. As if we didn't know your career was incredibly impressive enough just by checking out your IMDb page. Some of these stories are just blowing my mind. I want to ask you about one of the shows that you were on um, early in your TV career, um, was uh, the new Odd Couple, and you were on a, a, a few episodes of that show. Um, and what was it like to work with, uh, you know, Ron Glass? Ron Glass? Yeah, Ron Glass. Ron Glass and Devon yes. Wilson. Yes. What was that like? It was incredible to work with them. Ron, Ron, and I, uh, we we did the Proud Family together too. But I loved him. He was first of all, he's one of the most talented people that I knew. And uh, uh, he, he was wonderful is what he was. And also Damon. And I wound up working with Damon again also on Girlfriends, the Tracy Ross yeah, uh, project yeah. that she was on. I did two shows with Damon Wilson playing his wife on that show. But that show, strangely enough, that show, The New Odd Couple, is, is where they got the information for, from, 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 rather, for me to do Harry Winslow. Because when they were looking for the character to play Harry Winslow on Perfect Strangers, they wanted somebody like Selma Diamond. And, uh, they needed somebody that was quick witted, that could, you know, that perfect timing, it can just throw them out, throw out one liners. And then, uh, Jim Gagan, who also worked for our show and Sweet Life of Cody and all that, he was hit right on our show. Him and Joe Zwick. And uh, I forgot the other fellow's name. He said, we know this lady. We know she can do it. We don't know her real name. Her character name was Big Mona on the Odd Couple. So Tom Miller and Bob Boyette told him to go to Paramount, go to the archives, run the credits, and get my name. And that's how they found out who I was. And they asked me to audition, and that's how Harriet was born. Oh, wow. From that the Odd Couple. Right, Odd Couple. <laughs> wow. How interesting is that? So, all right. So you... Have Perfect Strangers. You're on Perfect Strangers. When did they decide you were going to be the main character on your own sitcom? Well, it was before the end of the season because I actually went on there. They had contracted me for half of the shows on Perfect Strangers. During that time, they were doing like 24 to 26 shows, and you double that up, that's 52 weeks now, until they started pulling back and allowing for specials. So anyway, I was guaranteed half of the shows. I had two lines, two or three lines, I think, on each show. And the joke was that my name was longer than my, 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 my part. <laughs> but at any rate, before the end, but people love the character, you know. And before the end of the season, Tom Mill and Bob Boyette called me in for a meeting. And they told me they were going to spin the character off. And then they asked Bill Bickley and Michael Warren to come up with something. And they did. And then they, Reggie, strange enough, Reggie did two episodes, Carl. 
Reggie Bell Johnson did two episodes of Family Matters. And, uh, and so they put the two of us together and the rest of the family, and that's how it happened. Now, thank God Tom and Bob did leave open, that they left the door open for me, that if the pilot didn't sell, I could come back to Perfect Strangers. And, uh, and I'm going to tell okay, you, because nobody really knows this but me and Tom and my family. And uh, Tom Miller called me uh, one Saturday morning. He says, I'm really not a phone person. He said, but I want to talk to you. And then he told me to always stop and smell the roses. You know, that a lot of things were going to happen. And he just gave me some life lessons. And then before he finished the conversation, he said, now, you're going to have a messenger come to your door, and we don't need you anymore at Purpose Strangers, so he's going to bring you a big check for all those shows that you're not going to do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. And he was right, you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, just out of curiosity, there's one other uh, trivia thing. Now, I remember that um, you, your character was an elevator operator initially, but then I remember there was an episode where you guys got automatic elevators in the office. And you got – didn't you get some other job in the uh, office before they you got spun off into Family no, Matters? Uh, no, I, I actually got – I got fired from from that job. Then I went to do – I did it. I went to some other job, I think. I know I was in a store at one time mm-hmm. or something, but that particular episode where I lost my job was titled Two Family Income. And it's actually the show, I, I think to date, I, I could be wrong, but I was calculating it. I think Two Family Income was the highest rated Family Matters show that we had in the nine, nine seasons that we were on. Two Family in- Income was the show that I got the Alice Award for. And for those that don't know what the Alice Award is, it was the Alice Award was awarded to a female who, who had the most honest portrayal of a working woman on TV. And that year was 250 women, and I won the Alice Award. Wow. Now, prior to me was, uh, oh, what's her name? The beautiful lady from Murphy Brown. She, she got it before me. Candace Bergen. Candace Bergen Candace got it before Bergen. me. And she passed it to me, and then I had to go and pass it to Katie Couric. Oh. So that's how big the Alice Award was, okay? I had to go to Washington, D.C. to get it. Okay, now I have another question about just the Family Matters um, as a show in the beginning, the original concept for the show. Because the original concept for a show mm-hmm. as just a viewer, it felt like more of a working-class Cosby show. Uh, you had two working class people raising a family. And what was another thing that was really cool about the show was that it was a multi-generational family. You had uh, Mm -hmm. Mother Winslow living in the house. Uh, You had Mm -hmm. the extended family, you know, an aunt and her child, because I believe she was, Tilma Hopkins' character was widowed, I believe. And um, Mm -hmm. uh, so you had that. And it was, the show was kind of, it was a comedy, obviously, but it was kind of a dramedy at the beginning, I thought, the first season. But then when the Urkel character kind of blew up the whole vibe of the show kind of changed did you have any Mm -hmm. feeling about that or recognize that there was a difference in what the original vision of the show was versus what it turned into no we 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 knew exactly there's no doubt about it we knew exactly what happened but you know what the way i explain it kevin to people is that we were soup boiling on the stove and we had almost every ingredient you can put in there but we needed a little extra salt and he was the extra salt and that made it pop you know what i mean and uh, uh, he, he became an icon. Uh, we were told in a meeting that uh, that's what the producers wanted. They wanted the character uh, of, of Virgil, the Steve Virgil character, to be the main character, and he was, you know. And, 
And uh, what could we say? We laughed all the way to the bank. So, I mean, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of other things that happened, you know, uh, during the, the, the run of, you know, the run of the show. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I popped out of Perfect Strangers. He popped out of Family Matters. You know, uh, Richie Cunningham popped out of Happy Days. You know, I mean, Fonzie popped out of Happy Days. You know, it, it happens like that sometimes, you know. And, um I mean, what can you do? You know, you you keep working and you and you keep growing. Well, I just thought it was. I want to ask you a question mm. about uh, black images in mm. in the media and what you've seen from the time you've started uh, till now. What are the differences? What are some of the things that are the same? What needs to change? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, I've seen some big changes in the industry as far as African-Americans are portrayed. And, uh, but more than seeing the big changes I've seen, the biggest changes has been in attitudes because almost every character that I've seen in any African-American project, I know somebody like that. Whether we like them or not, I know somebody just like each one of those characters. What we need to do is strike a balance as far as, uh, portraying them or, or, or praising them and taking them to levels that we don't want them to be because we, we want our people to grow and to know. But we also want non, non-African Americans uh, to know also who we are and not pigeonhole us, not stereotype us as being this type of person or that type of person. We're, we're, we're everything. We're all things. You know, we, like I said, I know somebody like like people like um what the the Browns and I know some people like the Winslows and I know some people like the Huxtables and and the Carters and and Blackish and all I know some people like all of those people and there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it granted we want to even the ones that we are not not too happy with seeing we want to understand that they do have a place and a space we just don't want that to be the main focus or to be pigeonholed to think that that majority of us like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying the door is open for whoever, whatever. It's real. It's life. When I see them, I see me. You know, I see us. Because I know somebody like every character I've seen. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I know a Medea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we know somebody like Urkel. Maybe not quite, quite, quite like Urkel. But we know somebody like that. Exactly. Crazy like that, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And I certainly know a lot of Harriet Winslow's. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Wow. Wow. Kevin, anything else that you, you care to add? Because this could go on forever, but we are here to talk about what you liked about the 80s. So mm-hmm. anything else you feel you want to ask uh, Ms. Payton? Okay. I have to ask the, the, the last question. I think that uh, a lot of fans of Family Matters would be, you know, not happy if we didn't ask what was your favorite episode if if it wasn't the one that you uh the two incomes what was your favorite episode of the show it might have been the quilt i think we all like the quilt you know uh two family income i love because i i got a lot of awards for it and i got well i got a lot of nominations let me put that (laughs) and an award but uh the quilt was so heartwarming a story about uh, our traditions and our history being put into an art form of pieces of fabric, you know, that told a great story. And uh, Laura sold that quilt not knowing the meaning and the value of it and the legacy of it. 
and uh, the way that we felt as a family not having it in our possession anymore. But uh, getting it in the end, we got it back. You know, family matters always ended on a high note, something wonderful, which is what made it so great, you know. But uh, I, I think along with everybody else that that probably was my favorite one, the quilt. Wow. Mm. Wow. I feel like I'm sitting, not like you're an ancestor because you're not old, <laughs> but I feel like I'm sitting at the feet of the ancestors taking in all the knowledge and you're passing down information. So I really honestly feel honored. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, my God. And I do, too. And what it is is just this incredible career. I mean, again, we could go so crazy deep into just your IMD. IMDB is just insane. It's insane. Like you mentioned, uh, just like in passing. Oh, yes. And then when I was on Girlfriends anyway, <laughs> with Tracy Ellis Ross, it's been so many incredible things. But uh, Tachi's right. What we're here for besides getting to know you better. And I feel like we did get a taste and we got a chance to hear you sing twice, twice at that. Um, <laughs> at that. Who has that? I mean, it's incredible, Taji. But we're also here to find out about some of your favorite shows of the 80s. And before anybody asks a question like, wait a minute, she was uh, one of our favorite TV moms of the 90s. Well, we gave Miss Peyton an option to be talk about her favorite top five favorite shows of the 80s or the 90s. And she chose the 80s. And what Miss Peyton wants, Miss Peyton Ms. gets. Ms. Peyton gets. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to start us off. What is your number five favorite show from the 80s? My number five favorite show. That's incredible. Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. That's an interesting choice. Tell, okay, for those people that are uh, that do not remember uh, That's Incredible or, or weren't around, tell us a little bit about, about, uh, a little bit about That's Incredible. <laughs> I like the way you say, or that weren't around, because a lot of people were around in the 1980s, because that's about 40 years ago, something like that. That's Incredible every week came up with some strange or or fabulous some mysterious something i remember a show where they had this ghost where these people had captured this ghost you know it was always something that actually was incredible to either see hear experience or whatever and i was just amazed by it so i i that was a show that i loved I loved that's incredible. I remember there was this episode mm -hmm. where there was this clear square box mm -hmm. and this like guru from India uh, had folded himself right, down. Right, right. I was like, I think I was like five, uh -huh. but and then I, you know, they would always say that's incredible. Right. I'd be like, that's incredible. And, and they could do magic and all kinds yes. of things. So it was, for me, it was, it, it was just, I loved it. I couldn't wait to see what they were going to do the next week. You know, so that's, that's where it, it was. wasn't like Netflix binge watching. No. You had to wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tachi. So, what is your number five fave show from the eighties? So, Miss Peyton, I have to tell you something that Kevin and I do. We sometimes cheat. Mm -hmm. Not even sometimes. We all the time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sometimes. So we'll We'll say top five, but then we find a way to squeeze in other things. All because that's really related and that's a spinoff. So because I couldn't 
really separate these because they're all kind of the same genre. Mm -hmm. Not, my number five is Solid Gold slash Soul Train slash Dance Fever. Ooh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why didn't you add another slash for American Bandstand? <laughs> because that's a little bit... Oh, yeah. You know what? American Bandstand would be up there, too. I forgot. Yes, I like American Bandstand, too. I do, too. Because I'm, um, I'm a dancer, choreographer, uh -huh. and I love music. Can I tell you? Remember at the beginning of Solid Gold? They had uh -huh. the um, the routine. <laughs> yes, music. Yes, yes. You better say. <laughs> I learned the entire choreography for the beginning what? dance and the end dance. And my mother sat there one time and watched me, and she just clapped after. That's how. That's how I knew I really loved dance. But anything dance related, I loved. And Soul wow, Train, of course. Too, yeah. That was you know a bunch of kids from L.A. Uh -huh. That young people from L.A. that were there of uh, dance. My cousin was one of the dancers. Really? Yes. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. The what? football player. Sweetness. Yes, the football player. Oh, oh wow. Man. It was on Soul Train. Yes. Wow. Yes, it was. Huh? Wow, so your deep roots in um, L.A. run deep. Yeah, her show business just goes all kinds of deep. <laughs> Wow, yeah, so so those are my things. So if you don't know, Solid Gold um, was a, a show, it was an evening show, mm -hmm. and it was hosted, Marilyn McCool was a host. Yes. Um, one of the, um, the, uh, the brothers, uh, the um, Staying Alive, help me. Um, uh, uh, uh. Um, Gibb Brothers. Gibb Brothers. Uh, Andy Gibb was a host. Right, right. Um, um, also, Dionne Warwick was a host. Right. So um, they all hosted, and they had different musical acts mm -hmm. on there. Um, sometimes there were dance acts. Mm -hmm. So I just loved that show. Saturdays, it mm -hmm. came on every Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then Soul Train was a Saturday show, too, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. during the day, Saturday during the day. Uh -huh, right. And so, of course, I was too little for when it first started. But mm -hmm. then when it got into the 80s, mm -hmm. every Saturday, WPIX in New York. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what I used to watch. Yes. And then Dance Fever was a, comp a dance uh -huh. competition show, uh -huh. mostly disco hosted by Denny Terrio. Uh-huh. <laughs> I told you I'm a TV addict. Uh -huh. So, and um, they were, they were, there were about seven couples that would compete uh -huh. and the winning couple would come back every week. Uh -huh. So those are, that's my number five. I know I cheated. Say uh -huh. something. <laughs> oh, I can't say anything because maybe um, something similar might have happened uh -huh. on my it. list. So we'll have to wait I and see. Uh, what <laughs> Kevin, what is your number five? All right. My number five happens to be, well, the original title of the show was uh, Siskel and Ebert's uh, Coming Attractions. Then it became At the Movie. So that when they, so they owned it themselves when it went off of it. Initially, mm -hmm. it was on uh, public television and then it became a syndicated show. Uh, so for those people who sadly uh, weren't around to experience the yes. coolness uh, that was at the movies. It was two guys that had sometimes very uh -huh. different opinions about movies. They would watch movies, much like we do on TV channeling, and they would basically review the movie, and they would spar, uh -huh. and they would debate, and sometimes uh, it wouldn't be pleasant. They weren't <laughs> fans of each other sometimes. Uh, and there were two yes. great writers, uh, Gene Siskel and, uh, of course, the incredible Roger Ebert. And um, the the show really introduced me to critically right. looking at movies and, and appreciating right. all kinds of things like cinematography, things that as a kid that I wasn't paying attention to. And it just 
absolutely mm-hmm. broadened my mind about what to see and how to look at things. And so I could not talk about TV in the 80s and not talk about at the movies. The show actually started in 1982 and it ran all the way until 2010. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great pick, Kevin. Because- it was wonderful. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't pick that one too. But you know what I did though. My my family was always an ABC family, mm. so we grew up with ABC primarily. So all of my top five are ABC. I didn't, <laughs> you know, I watched some of the other shows, and when you know Chitachi talked about Soul Train, I said, "Darn, I wish I had just gone through all of the channels." But because we were ABC fanatics and. We were just loyal to ABC. All of my my top five are ABC shows, and that's mm-hmm. totally okay. Yeah. But there's two. There are too many shows from the eighties. Yeah. I had a list a initially of, of yeah. like thirty. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, God. yeah, I need to find a way to whittle this down. Right. So this is like my yeah, top my- five, but not really my top five because there are just too many shows. Right. Yes. Yes. This is why Tachi and I cheat and try to combine shows that are similar <laughs> genres or have some kind of weird thing in common that, oh, well, this actor was on both these different shows. So that kind of counts as one, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, yeah, we play fast and loose when it comes to these top fives. Uh-huh. All right, Ms. Peyton. So what is your number four uh, hit of the 80s or favorite show of the 80s? Okay. Here we go again. You get another treat. The Love Boat. Oh, wow. So we'll be making another day. I love the Love Boat. I love the Love Boat. Yes. And Ted Lange is a friend of mine. I love the Love Boat. All the stories, all the special guests, I loved it. Mm, That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. I, I remember watching the Love Boat and all the, yeah, the guests. That's what made it. It's like... Really, you had your main story, but mm-hmm. I'm wa- waiting for, well, who's going to be the guest this week? That's what and I was waiting everybody for. Everybody named Mama was on the love boat. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people that don't don't know or haven't watched it in reruns or weren't around when it originally aired, the love boat was basically the dancing with the stars yes, of the 80s. Because, yes, it was. Because you had... You had people that were new and on the rise. You had classic film stars yes. guesting. Uh, you had everybody and their grandmother was on the love boat week in, week out. So you had a cast of the crew, which were regulars yes. on the show. And each week there would be these uh, guests that would come on and they would fall in mm-hmm. love <laughs> each and every week yes. for an hour every uh, Saturday night, I think. Yeah. It was wonderful. Hence the love boat. There were a lot of shows on Saturday night. I don't right. understand how these all fit, but right. you know, they did. Right. Well, okay, we can't. Okay, just I have to say this because it's not on anybody's list, but I'm going to throw it in there because <laughs> if we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about the love boat, you have to talk about its companion show, Fantasy Island. Fantasy <laughs> Island, of yes! course. Because of if, course. yes, because if you were on Love Boat, um, that if you yeah. want to have more dramatic story, you would be on Fantasy mm-hmm. Island at, uh, following the Love Boat, and it was the ex- exact yeah. same things. You had stars, young stars that were on the rise, and you had mm-hmm. established uh, movie stars that would guest on uh, Fantasy Island and the show would sometimes take a darker turn. But 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 my my favorite thing about Fantasy Island was tattoo. <laughs> the plane, the plane, the plane. Well, you know me, Kevin. I liked Ricardo Monteblanc. <laughs> with, with, Everybody did. With, yes. his rich, with his rich Corinthian leather. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right, Tachi. So, 
All right, Tachi. So what's your number four pick? Okay. So honestly, and it's not just because you're here, Mm -hmm. Silver Spoons Mm. was my number four. And let me tell you why. Because, you know, I love dance, but I also love music. Mm Mm-hmm. When they had Manudo on, I said, okay, this is my favorite show because I used to love Manudo. Oh, my goodness. So, besides that, so, of course, it was, um, the show is about um, uh, Ricky Schroeder played Mm -hmm. Ricky. Yeah. And, oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Um, they, little Rich Boy. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Little Rich Boy. He was and... such a good kid, though. Oh, my God, he was a good kid. Really? He seemed like oh, it. Oh, his mom was always there. He was such a good kid. And he, he I don't think he ever called me by my name, but my character name he called me back. And she came in one morning, and he hugged me, and he said, Oh, Marie, I love you, because my character's name was Marie. Yeah. And he hugged me. He was a gorgeous little blonde thing, you know. He and Alphonse Ribeiro was on that show also, oh, yes. and Jason Bateman. They were all friends. Yes, that's yes. right. They were all kids right. when I was on that show, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. So you have firsthand information. Yeah. I'm just watching through the TV, mm-hmm. wishing I was there because Manuda was on there. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron Gray was so beautiful. Aaron and, and of course, uh, Joel uh, Higgins. And I, they were they were absolutely wonderful to me. I enjoyed doing that show. I really did. Mm. I really and they, did. they I did had five some, of them. I think you I did think five. I did five. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I think I remember reading uh, that. Yeah. They did some great. They had some great stories. I remember um, one that you know back in the eighties they always had like a very special such and such because uh-huh. it was about to deal with an issue. Uh-huh. And I remember there was one that was dealing with child abuse and uh-huh. that always like stuck in, uh-huh. in my mind, those, those issues. And in the eighties, even though, you know, it, they dealt with some of these things right. that were happening right. in the eighties from uh, being a latchkey kid right. to being adopted to right. all of those, those types of uh-huh. things. So I really appreciated silver spoons for that. I, I, uh, I, um, I portrayed Oprah Winfrey on one of those shows. And they had me in a yellow and black outfit. Oh. And the I don't think she ever liked that. I, I, she, but, you, but you know what? I'm going to tell you something. And, and this will probably be the first time if she ever finds out this. I remember when I did it and I didn't really want to do it because I didn't like poking fun. And it wasn't really like poking fun, but, you know, I had to pretend to be like her. And, uh, and, I, and when I mentioned it to Aaron, I said, you know what? I, I, I'm not really happy doing this. I said, but I'll do it. And they had to dress very nice and all that stuff. Aaron said, I don't know why. You're a beautiful lady. She should be glad that somebody like you is portraying her. But I still don't think she liked it, though. I'm sure she didn't. <laughs> wow. And she wasn't, she wasn't, she was big, but she wasn't a big, big star there. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, she's portrayed people. She's done some fabulous work. She was nominated for an Oscar. Absolutely. Portraying somebody. So, you know, that's what we do in this business. With her second richest woman in the world <laughs> you know self. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'm surprised she didn't give you a yeah, new exactly. car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a car. Yeah, you get a car. Uh-huh. Not on this show, though. Mm-hmm. So all you're going to get from us is Kevin's. <laughs> you, get a, yeah. no, you get a Hot Wheel. You no, get a don't Hot even wheel. have Hot Wheel. Yeah, skate. A skate. One skate. <laughs> not two. <laughs> one. Share with your brother now. Make a scooter out of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, this brings us to you. What is your number four? Okay, I'm going to show some love to ABC in the 80s as well. Okay. I got to say uh, 30-something. Yeah! Oh, uh, I loved it. That's I a loved good one. It. 
Yeah, that show ran from 1987 to 1991, mm-hmm. and for those of, again, for those of you too young to remember of ever seen it on uh, DVD mm-hmm. or streaming, um, it was the original show about adulting. Yes, because you had all, you had all of these um, uh, almost said millennials, not yeah. millennials, <laughs> the original millennials right. of baby boomers. Yeah, baby That's boomers right. basically be, uh, becoming adults and dealing with adult for their first adult issues, like getting their first mm-hmm. mortgage, uh, their career goals. And what was so cool about it? It was the show was about. A lot of people kind of hated on it and said it was a show about just yuppies. But what was neat about it was all kinds of different people. You had a couple that was very much in right. love and um, um, trying to hold right. it together. And you had a, a, a young wife and a, a new mother who was, you know, torn between being a mother and being career, out in the right, workplace right. because she did have a, a career, you know, before she became a mother and a wife. And then you had a, a married couple that was struggling to stay together and there was infidelity. Right. You had a couple of single people on the show dealing with relationships and stuff like that. And it was one of the first shows I remember watching, uh, you know, as a young person where a major character was killed off the show. Um, They killed off a major character on the show out of nowhere. And it was just it it was the show just felt uh, so much like real life. It did a lot of groundbreaking things. It had the first gay couple in a romantic uh, scene together like in bed right. uh, po- uh, post you know kind of afterglow deal uh, so it was a really ahead of its time kind I of show I watched it religiously it was one of the best written shows period in TV history it was very well written I loved 30 something I'm sorry I didn't pick that one I love 30 something yeah so I hope that if, if uh, for those of you who haven't uh, seen it before if it's available on streaming anywhere or any kind of platform you've got uh-huh. to check it out you will not regret absolutely it. I, I agree 30 something was a great pick and the fact is that when they killed off that major character that prepared you for the onslaught of the Shonda Rhyme series so it's nothing to you now uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because Shonda Rhimes takes no prisoner. There's no one in safe. She that that saying, "Kill your darlings." She takes mm-hmm. it to heart, and there was nobody. Oh, who oh yeah, no, 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 you don't leave. I, I, you know, I need to write her a letter. I'm like, dear Shonda, people can just leave the show. They don't have to die. Yeah, look at Judy Winslow. <laughs> Ex- Jamie, Jamie just left. She just left. She comes. She's coming back now. Oh, oh, this. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I'm not minute, saying it family matters. We, I'm just we, saying we she's have... coming back. Oh, all right. <laughs> I thought we were going to have some breaking uh, reboot news because so many other shows have been. Re- Let's just get this out of the way. There are uh-huh. so many other shows that are now being rebooted. I may, they brought I may have said something. I may have uh, affirmed something or confirmed something. Or... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get know. you to nail I this down. Wind, I'm trying to nail it down. I'm trying to nail it down. We we had Will and Grace has been brought back to life and it's doing great. They are uh, also uh, it's already be, uh, filming. Roseanne is coming back. Yep. I think now would be an incredible time to catch up with the Winslows and have a Family Matters, if not a regular show. What about like a TV movie or something? I, I you know what I'm open to whatever they want to do with it. TV movie rebooted whatever. And uh, but if they decide that they just wanted to stay where it is and and be magic, I'm okay with that too. Hmm. But we'd love you magically oh. back on <laughs> Family Matters. <laughs> I think we, everybody we, I would like, like to see it see. again. But I, for me, I, I'm just I gotta have Judy back. I'm sorry. I'm just putting it out there in the wind, and uh, it won't be the same without her. I, I think she needs to come back 
And uh, as a matter of fact, we, we had a request. I'm not going to say from who, but we got another request for another reunion. And I, I had to thank them for the love, but I told them I couldn't do it without, I would never do another Family Matters reunion without Jamie Foxworth. She was a very important part of, of that show, of our cast. And, and as far as families go, and I've stated this before, you just don't take a child away from a family. You don't explain it, especially my youngest child. That's what really bothered me. It bothered me then. It bothers me now. If they had taken one of the older kids, you could have thought maybe they were out with their friends, you know, they're teenagers or whatever. But you took my baby and you expected me not to be able to answer for it when I had to answer to it, to the viewing public and everybody I went into. Where is she? Right. You just don't dismiss kids, especially black kids. You just don't dismiss them like that. As much as I love Family Matters and as much as I love doing that show and the, and the cast, I will not do it again without... Jamie Foxx. Mm. I just won't do it again without her. And if we really want to show how much family matters, then we need to bring her back and forget her past. Because family never gives up on family. That's right. Oh my God, that is such an incredible sentiment. And I feel like that is would be a great uh, thing to do as far as in having like a, 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 a movie, a TV movie, because I don't know if any, both of you remember, the Brady Bunch came back in, I don't know, 50 incarnations, but one of them was in the <laughs> 80s in the 80s, it came back as the Bradys, and they made it an hour-long drama. It came back as a TV movie first, what was actually serious, where, like, people were, like, you know, people, uh, like, Marsha's husband was cheating on her, and, I mean, mm-hmm. it was all of a sudden, it got, it got all kinds of real. And so, it would be really incredible to have Family Matters come back as a drama about a black family. Right. Uh, I- I would love that, and I and, agree. And it is it should open. It should open with Judy coming down the stairs as a beautiful adult. Oh, <laughs> incredible! Because you know, you're right. That uh, because of, of course, people you know, uh, listeners know that there was some. There has been some controversy about a the fact that her character was just written off the canvas right. without any explanation. Just like she just we don't we have one less child, and we're never going to talk about it. Nobody ever. Nobody will notice <laughs> it. You know. No, we, she went up the stairs and she never came back down. Never we noticed. Back. I know you did. I had to answer for it many, many times. Yeah, so definitely, okay okay, out there, uh, producers in TV land, we could really use some kind of rebirth of Family Matters. There's so much talent in that cast, and I think that people would be all so excited about it. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, uh, all right, uh, Ms. Peyton, what is your number three favorite 80s show? The Jetsons cartoon show. Ooh, ooh, wow. I love it. I was crazy about the Jetsons. The Jetsons were so, man, I'm telling you, they were so ahead of their time. It's ridiculous. Everything that the Jetsons said, everything they had or showed us, we're already experiencing all of that plus some. They were so ahead of the game. Absolutely. Well, my uh, first grade teacher, Sister Mary, was like, yeah, in the year 2000, we're going to be in flying cars like uh-huh. the Jetsons. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet, but they were really ahead of, of their they time. They got something similar to that. They do have something similar to that. Oh, yes, they do. Do you have one? No, but okay. I, I heard about it on the news. I'll yeah. get, if I can get one, I will. <laughs> no, but all of that stuff that they were talking about, oh, oh man, we've 
some of it we've already experienced, you know? Well, speaking of the Jetsons, I don't know if you've heard, Ms. Payton, they're actually going to be doing a live-action version of the Jetsons, and I think it's going to really? be on your favorite yep. network, ABC. Yep, it's on ABC. Wow. So. Wow, that's great to know. Let me make a note of that. Live-action. Yes. This is the year of the reboot. Yeah, yeah, oh my, all kinds of reboots. All right, Tachi, so what is your number three uh, fave show of the 80s? Okay, so this show was on the air from 1984 to 1992, so it kind of crossed over, but the majority of it was in the 80s, and it's Wonderworks. It's a PBS show. I don't know if you guys remember this show, but Wonderworks was oh, yeah. A, a, yeah, a series. What they did is they created um, these short stories, these short kind of, uh, shows based off of children's books. So they did uh, all sorts of wonderful things like um, the Hoboken Chicken Emergency, Bridge to Terabithia. Ah. Um, they, uh, it just wonderful things. So it was based off of like young, not so much children's, but young adult books. Mm -hmm. And it was on PBS. It was a joint venture between Disney and PBS. Mm -hmm. I loved Wonderworks. Mm -hmm. It was just because I loved to read, mm -hmm. which is why this is also slash reading rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I, okay, you knew I was going to do this, Kevin. You know we're no good when it comes to picking just five. We can't do it. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. So Wonderworks was great because I loved children's books. Well, mm -hmm. I love to read. I would go to the, the library every week and have at least 12 books, what? and I would be finished. Oh and these goodness. were not small books. They were mm -hmm. at least 150 to 200 pages. Wow. I read that much. So when I saw these books come to life, and it was so well done, just mm -hmm. amazing. And in fact, um, I loved Anne of Green Gables. Mm -hmm. Anne of Green Gables was one of the ones that they produced for Wonderworks. Really? Yeah. So it was wow. just wonderful. And then, of course, going on the reading thing, reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton, come on. Who yes. doesn't like yes. that? Yes. Absolutely amazing. So I only knew LeVar Burton because, you know, of Roots. And mm -hmm. then he comes out reading Rainbow. And I'm like, I so want to be on this show mm -hmm. at the end talking about what book I want to, well, to read. Well, I, I knew LeVar and his wife, Stephanie, even before they got married. And they're still married. Yay, LeVar and Stephanie. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> years ago. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. Years ago. Amazing. Yes. So, yes. so that that's my pick. Okay, Tachi, come, Tachi or Ms. Payton, somebody's got to give us a little touch of the Reading Rainbow theme song. We can't talk about it without hearing a little bit of the song. Oh, I come don't know on. because I didn't watch it. Oh. <laughs> Tachi? You, you know, you can sing it, Kevin. I don't know. I just know that you need to take a look. It's in a book, The Reading Rainbow. Yeah. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Uh -oh. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, that's my, I'm sure my daughter knows. I just didn't. <laughs> well, oh, I'm sure wow. you were watching was... it. So <laughs> yeah, that was nice, Dachi. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so I guess it's my turn, Kevin. What is your number three? All right, um, my my number three, um, like you, kind of slips and slides a little bit. I'm basically saying my number three pick is. All the nighttime soaps of the 80s, starting off with Dynasty, 
Uh, it's spin off the Colby's, originally titled, a, a little uh, trivia, originally titled the Colby's of California, and then they just dropped the California, they were just the Colby's. And, uh, and of course, uh, Falcon Crest, gotta give it up to Falcon Crest. Oh, so, yeah. um, and of course, you get the, 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 the biggie uh, Dallas who shot JR, that whole thing. But for me, of all of them, Dynasty was it you had oh, you yeah. had linda evans as the incredible the the almost angelic the impossibly good crystal but she was incredibly good but if you, you could only push crystal so far before she would take a swing at you so <laughs> I, I love that and, and normally she was taking a swing at the incredible joan collins as oh, yeah. alexis morell carrington colby dexter rowan all of them. <laughs> yeah, no, that was all the people she was married to. She was married to everybody and their and their brother. Ooh. So uh, it was an incredible show. The show was it. Brought, it was the definition of over the top. Uh, the storylines got crazier as the show went on, and it just got it went too far. It went just it got too crazy, and that kind of meant the end of uh, the end for it. But um, mm-hmm. it had a it had a damn good run. Yes, and it was uh, it was on from 1981 to 1989. Oh yeah. And and yeah, so um, of course there's a reboot currently on on the CW. I've watched a couple episodes of it. You cannot hold a candle to the original Dynasty. Yeah. Why you even dare to even use that? Put that name in your mouth. Uh, yes. uh, it's shocking. <laughs> it's absolutely shocking. So yeah, unless you're gonna bring Joan Collins into the canvas pretty soon, yeah, it's it's just not happening. Oh, it's just not goodness. working. I, I, Kevin. First of all, I have to say you're wrong for that. You, you you just you just admonished and lambasted oh, me boy. for adding reading rainbow and here you go with four in one really <laughs> what well, I, I okay they're all connected they're all connected and oh I, okay that's another thing i can't i can't not talk about talk about dynasty and not talk about the incredible Diane Carroll who was all like you know what this show Aaron Spelling you need some diversity that it's like we know the Rocky Mountains are are, are uh, covered in white powder but it's a little bit too white on that screen and she called him up and all of a sudden um Dominique Devereaux was born and it made the show so much better wow is that today that's today oh my goodness Kevin? Yes. I just found out that Robert Guillaume died today. <gasps> oh, no. Benson. Wow. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, my God. That is huge news. Uh, also from Soap. He was on yeah. Soap, and they spun him off uh, to his own show, Benson. He was an incredible, fabulous man. Fabulous man, fabulous father, fabulous husband. Fabulous singer, dancer, actor. He could do it all. He was a triple threat. Oh, my goodness. He was Phantom of the Opera. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Ooh, he had such a range, too. Oh, Bob, I miss you. It's it's crazy. I Because I just pulled... We pulled that up because, you know, Benson was on my list. Wow. And then this comes up. Wow. 
Oh my God, that is that is shocking. Well, oh, you know what, Tachi? Let's um, let's skip Miss Peyton just for a second and go to you, since Benson was going to be the show you're going to talk about anyway. Let's let's talk a little bit about Benson. Yes, well, rest mm-hmm. well, Robert Guillaume. He, like you said, he mm-hmm. was an incredible talent. Mm-hmm. I used to love Robert Guillaume, mm-hmm. and I loved Benson. First of all, I got into watching it because my mother loved Benson. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: my mother is, as you know, Nigerian. She mm-hmm. she doesn't have time for all these these rubbish TV shows. <laughs> so if she's watching something, there's mm-hmm. something to it. So mm-hmm. she loved Benson, and that's how we, my sister and I, got into watching Benson. And obviously, he played um, the assistant to the governor, mm-hmm. um, and he lived. Uh, he was he didn't live there initially, but mm-hmm. he lived. He was in the governor's mansion right. all the time, along with Krauss, the cook, right. and Katie, the little the mm-hmm. uh, the governor's um, daughter. Mm-hmm. It was just such a fun show. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Benson was really running everything. Yeah, he was. He was running ish. Okay, <laughs> he nobody else knew anything, but mm-hmm. Benson was running things. The governor himself was kind everything of everything he was in. He was running it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he ran everything he did. You know. Wow. Yes. Okay, and, but one that, thing, the, I... this this thing between he and Clayton, this uh um. This, cat, cat and the, this yeah, cat and mouse thing that they had, mm-hmm. and of course Benson always won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I loved how he was witty and smart and sarcastic, yes. and I absolutely loved that kind of humor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I I just loved Benson. That was mm-hmm. so that's my number uh, my number two actually. And it's incredible two. talent okay, on um, the Lion King, you know. Yes, wow. One other thing I just wanted to say about Robert Guillaume in Benson and, and of course, originally Soap was he played the butler yes. on Soap. And they spun him off onto his own show. And initially on Benson, he was the butler. And what was amazing about the show was how the character um, – you know, progressed yes, in his he career. He started out as a butler and ended up becoming the assistant to governor. You know, yes. the governor. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and he carried the character with so much yes. dignity, uh, and he commanded so mm-hmm. much respect. And a lot of people initially had issues with the fact that he was playing a butler uh, on a show on on the show. But what, no matter what position he had, because he wasn't in, he didn't just go from butler directly to the assistant to the governor. But as he progressed up the ladder. Every place he was, every position he had, and even when he was a butler, there was so much dignity uh, in everything he did. And um, I, I just thought it was an incredible character Kevin, and portrayal. I, Kevin, I'm um, so glad that you said that because what it brings to mind is a question that uh, Chitachi asked me in the beginning about the roles of blacks on TV or African-Americans on TV. There was Robert Guillaume and Benson giving us what we needed to see as far as progress in black people long before Cosby. Benson, as far as I'm concerned, Robert Guillaume and the character he portrayed was the catalyst or was the beginning of viewing audiences looking at African-Americans in a different way. Wow. that I, You know what? Now that you mention it, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think you're right. I agree. Pride and dignity and respect and all that other stuff was wonderful. I'm I'm glad you mentioned it. Oh, well, thank you. But, okay, I, we're, I have to go off list a little bit only because I don't know if anybody else is going to mention this particular show because things are a little bit – there's a shadow. There's a cloud. But I can't I can't talk to one of the, uh, you know, the, the 
one of America's favorite TV moms and not ask about another one of America's uh, favorite TV shows of the 80s, The Cosby Show. How did you feel about The Cosby Show and what it represented and the, the kind of, I thought, the juxtaposition with Family Matters? You know, I, I, I like everybody else, enjoyed The Cosby's. I did. I think it was well-written. It was funny. Um, it was a good show. Cosby really was a good show. I, when people make the comparison between Cosby and Family Matters, I didn't like it so much when they did that because, like I said, we were totally two totally different families, two do- totally different family incomes, and not that theirs was any better than ours. It was, it was what it was, you know. And there were always comparisons made uh, made between uh, Claire Huxable and Harriet Winslow, and then um, Shirley Ralph on on uh, on Moesha and all. And I'm always saying, we didn't do all those comparisons on Caucasian women. Exactly. Why, was it, what, why were all of those comparisons done on African-American women? As if Felicia was doing what her mama and grandmama did, I was doing like my mama and grandmama. And, you know, everybody's different. And, uh, but I thought it was a good show. I don't think it was a good show. I know it was, it was a good show, you know. I don't, I don't see where it was better than Family Matters. It was a different kind of show. It was a good show. Family Matters was a good show. Moesha was a good show. They were all different shows. Tyler's shows were good shows. They were different shows. So. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I had I had to find out, hear a little bit about what you thought about uh, the Cosby mm-hmm. show. All right. So um, it is, it's your turn to give us your number two pick. Number two is Roseanne. Oh. I was crazy about some crazy Roseanne. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? See what we, what we were talking about and what I meant by different families? I know some folks like Roseanne's yes. folks, too. Black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that she just, she was another one of those, one of those women that just told it like it was. <laughs> she cussed them out, beat them up. You know, she did. She just spoke her truth. I love Roseanne's show. I haven't seen the reboot, um, but I love the old one. The reboot hasn't aired yet. It's it's coming on, I believe, yeah. in mid season. Wow! But that was it. Rosette, she's just she's real. And yeah. having um, grown up in upstate mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. um, in uh, Buffalo, which is a very Rust Belt, very steel mill, mm-hmm. very similar to where mm-hmm. she was. I saw a bunch. Of Roseanne and Dan uh-huh. Connors uh, around, yeah, it absolutely. Was a great cast. And Laura yeah. Metcalf was great in it too. You know, mm-hmm. playing her sister. It, it was a good show. It was a good John. John Goodman was. It was a great show. The kids, I, I loved it. It was a good show. Mm-hmm. I really, I really can't wait for the reboot, just because the the show. We really need that voice right now oh, of yeah. that kind of family, oh, uh, yeah. especially in the age of you know Voldemort or he who he who shall not be named on this show. Um, anyway. She looks a little confused, so we have okay, to. It's, it's the current the current resident uh, at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. We we don't use that person's use name. name, so we, we refer to him as either Voldemort or he who shall not be named. Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, uh, it'll be interesting to, to uh, in the age in this particular t- a moment in time in history to hear the voice of Roseanne and the uh, the rest of the Connors, uh, what's happening in their lives right now. So mm-hmm. I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. So going from Roseanne into Kevin's number two pick, what is your pick? All right. You know what? I just, I, I, I got to go to a, 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 
uh, go into outer space with this one. I got to go into Star Trek Next Gen, the Next Generation. Ooh. Speaking of LeVar Burton, yes. Jordy, Jordy LaForge. Okay, I absolutely loved the reboot of Star Trek, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, there was, I remember when they announced it was even going to happen. There was so much anticipation, and this is before we, there was the, before the internet, and people <laughs> were vibrating with excitement in 1987 when the show premiered, and um, it was so cool. And the the cast had so much diversity, and um, the women characters on the show were so strong. I love the fact that the communicators, uh, and because the original communicators on the original Star Trek look like the look like the precursors to flip phones, but the the communicators uh, on the Next Generation were their uh, their little insignias were actually their communicators, which was so cool. And uh, and then the cast added uh, because she was actually a fan of the show. Again, you need to apparently closed mouths do not get fed because uh, being a huge fan of Star Trek herself. Um, Whoopi Goldberg basically mm-hmm. put the word out that, like, you know what, I wouldn't mind being on that show. And the next thing um, you know, there she was on the mm. show. Excellent pick. You know I'm a Trekkie. You don't have to. I don't have to tell you. You know that if I could live in Star Trek, I would. So, and that is actually my. Uh, the next generation is actually my favorite iteration of that because you know why, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly why. Could it have anything to do with someone named Jean-Luc Picard? Actually, Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Stewart is everything. (laughs) All right, so I guess we're ready to go to the number one round. We're finishing it up. All right, Ms. Peyton, what is your number one favorite 80s show? Perfect Strangers. Yay! I loved Balky and Larry. But more than that, I love the fact that it was the show that really catapulted me into the stratosphere. I I loved Perfect Strangers also because it was the first all-adult show that I had done. Like I said, I had done Silver Spoons. I had done Small Wonder. I did 227 with some kids. You know, I did shows with kids, and that was wonderful. When I did Perfect Strangers, it was the first all-adult show that I did. And uh, uh, it was a different energy altogether. But I love uh, Bronson Pinchot, Mark Lynn Baker, uh, um, Belita Moreno. Um, they, they, were, they were absolutely my favorites. I loved everybody on the show, but they were my favorites. It was Perfect Strangers. And then on top of that, I love my producers. And I love Tom and Bob, uh, Bill Michael and... Uh, Joe Zwick and all the people I work with, I love the crew also. And I'm not just saying it just to say it. I love them, but I love them because I know they loved me. <laughs> oh, uh-uh. wow. Wow. That's a good pick, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent pick. Yes, we're all lucky that if, if there weren't for Perfect Strangers, we would not have gotten uh, yeah. Family Matters. So we, I think it's all it's it's, it's on all yeah. our list. All right, Tashi, what is your number one favorite show of the eighties? Facts of Life slash Different Strokes. <laughs> now you. <laughs> okay you know what you know what i hey, I, I know why you put why you that's that slash actually is fair because different uh facts of life was actually a spinoff why people don't remember that was a spin-off. Yeah. right mrs garrett was the housekeeper on different strokes that's right and then she became the dietitian at um 
Eastland School for Girls in Peekskill. No, 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 no. Initially, no, she was not. She was not a dietitian initially. She was the house mother. That's right. She was the house mother. Then she became uh, the school dietitian. Yes, she got an upgrade. Yes, she did. As characters so often do in these uh, shows. Uh Yes. So I absolutely loved. Probably because, I mean, I was younger than, obviously, the girls on Facts of Life. Uh-huh. Um, younger than Tootie, even. Uh-huh. So, but I just, you kind of identify with them because they're uh-huh. in school, too. And so, right. I, I really loved, and I, for some reason, I had always begged my mother to send me to boarding school. I wanted to go to boarding <laughs> school so badly. Like you wear those long socks and all of that stuff. Yes, I already went to Catholic school. So, the next step is just send me away. Uh-huh. Send me away. <laughs> so I really identified with their experiences and all the different um, show. One of my favorite episodes was when Tootie uh, was modeling and she had on this like bead wig type mm, thing. Mm. And it was just like glamorous. I was like, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and of course, different different strokes was um mm-hmm. You know, there's that criticism of, okay, here comes somebody saving some black kids again. Mm -hmm. But I think that there really was this um, influx of them actually becoming part of that family, even though initially uh, Willis was very, Mm -hmm. you know, iffy about that. And understandably so. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you don't think about the fact, oh, you think about them as one family. Mm -hmm. Right. So... Mm-hmm. That's my number one pick, mm-hmm. kind of. <laughs> so basically, so basically, Tati, you're saying you you took the good, you took the bad, you took them both, and then you had the facts of life. <laughs> yes, the facts of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There's a time you got to shout. No, okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna do anymore. I'm gonna do anymore. But um, one thing I do want to say about the facts of life, which was really impressive about that show is how it kept morphing. It kept changing the situation. Yes. The original situation was a dorm with a, a bunch of girls. Like, the cast was huge. It was like 15, 16 regular, uh, regulars on the show, uh, the girls of uh, Eastland Academy. Mm-hmm. And then they made a really bold move because the show was already a hit. They made a bold move. Like, we can make more money if we fire, like, more than half of these yeah. girls. Oh. And they got rid of everybody, <laughs> <laughs> including Molly Ringwald, uh, who ended up eventually getting 16. Yes. But anyway, yes. <laughs> but by but by shrinking the the cast down to four girls, we got to focus on these four very different mm-hmm. girls with very different life mm-hmm. experiences, and they kind of got they all the girls were in trouble, so they're kind of forced to live above <laughs> the kitchen to pay the debt, pay their debt back to uh-huh. the school, and um, and uh, Mrs. Garrett got a uh, you know uh, got the job as being the school dietitian. But then, if that wasn't enough of a change, then when Mrs. Garrett was like, you know what, I can't work for Eastland anymore. She, I think she ended up getting fired or something. So she was gonna the, the family was gonna break up. But then she ends up opening up her own like yes. you know, bakery in the same town as the school. And then the girls basically are allowed to live off campus with Miss Garrett. So the family is still together. And if that wasn't enough of a change, then after a few years of that, um, there's a horrible fire that burns those down edibles. Burn those edibles. <laughs> and so then they open so she doesn't feel like she has the strength to basically restart and rebuild the whole store and the girls are like let's all rebuild together and we can each focus on something and they created a store yeah. together called over our heads yeah and and guess who worked it over oh, our heads my favorite does anybody remember 
Say it for him, Tachi. George Clooney. <laughs> yes, George Clooney. That was we. That's the first time we saw George Clooney. Not a gray hair on his head at the time, uh. and um, he worked at he worked at uh, Over Our Heads, and so the show just kept changing and morphing. And of course, at at one point, um, can't remember her name. The actress who played Mrs. Garrett left the show, and they brought on Cloris Leachman yes. uh, as her cousin. So the show just kept changing and morphing. And um and had a darn good run. It did. I enjoyed it in all its iterations. I have a George Clooney story. Ooh. Oh yes, tell it, tell you it. You know, and George and, and the cast, uh, Connie and all of Connie Brazel, they were doing ER right next to Family Matters over on the Warner Brothers lots. They were right next door to us. And my car was always wow. parked right out front, right in front of the door. Two drops of rain would hit me, if 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 that. And I and I used to cook for the cast sometimes. And I was going to cook that day some gumbo, and I had a whole bunch of stuff I was getting out of my car, and George was going to set. And he said, oh, you look like you have your hands full. Would you like me to help you? And I said, sure, you know. And so he helped me carry all my stuff into our stage at Family Matters. And then he says, if it's real good, I might come back over and get some. I said, it'll be good, so make sure you do. And he walked out of the door, and I said, damn. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Damn is so right. So that's my experience with the fabulous Mr. George Clooney. Oh my god, and that was during his prime uh Clune Tang ER days. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's an incredible story. Oh yeah. Whew, I'm just wow. Okay. Take my pots and pans in with me. So, we're down to the final one. Kevin, what is your number one? All right. Um, this is actually kind of two shows, but they're kind of one in a way. Because they're they're both about ensembles of incredibly strong, incredibly powerful women with very different opinions, different points of view, uh, who whose lives are inter- intertwined. I'm talking about uh, Designing Women, 1986 right. to 1993, and The Golden Girls, which is my absolute yeah. favorite, 1985 to 1992. Yeah. So there's no way you can have a list of favorite shows, in my opinion, where you do not mention people like B. Arthur, oh, Rue yeah. McClanahan, oh, yeah. um, uh, yeah, Betty White. Betty White, a national treasure who's still around today. Huh? I absolutely love it. Oh, if this ever hits your ears, if you hit your ears, Ms. White, you are incredible. I've loved you forever. Yeah. So I had to mention the Golden Girls. There's literally, if I start watching any episode of the Golden Girls, I can recite the lines. I've seen them so wow. many times. I just, the opening music, I'm like, oh, God, this is the one where they go back to St. Olaf. I just, I, I, I love that show. Mm. And so I will not watch it for like a decade or so, feeling low, have me flipping around the channel, see it, just start watching it, and right back in Miami with the girls. Yeah. Love that show. Yeah. And you would not have gotten uh, the Designing Women without the Golden right. Girls. The Golden Girls were the precursor to, to actually letting uh, uh, network executives realize you can have a show with no male regulars mm-hmm. on it it's about about four women and their friendship and what was cool about the uh, about designing women was initially it was just four women 
uh, two sisters and two other women that that were uh, uh, owned and operated a design mm-hmm. firm. But Meshach Taylor's character, who came on that show, initially his character was an ex-con. Yes. Uh, and they developed his story where we found out that he was, you know, that he was wrongly accused and went, and went to jail uh, uh, for uh-huh. a crime he didn't commit. And they dealt with the idea that, that about the racism that got him convicted and his poverty. Mm-hmm. And his character became a regular on mm-hmm. that show. And... Uh, and his character grew and got an education yes. in the course of being on that show. It was an incredible show. It had its finger on the pulse of everything that was happening at that moment in time, which is why it uh, sadly feels more dated than watching reruns right. of the Golden Girls. But that show was an incredible it moment was. in time. Uh, and so I, I mm. had to mention it. Wow. Great picks, mm-hmm. even though they really are not related. But yes, <laughs> great picks. <laughs> <laughs> They are. Related. <laughs> they are. You would not have had. No, I know for a fact. I've heard. I've, I think even Delta Burke said publicly that that uh, the Golden Girls uh, uh, were one of the reasons why the, 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 that uh, their show got greenlit. The success. Well, if Delta the Burke said Girls. it. Then okay, I'll, I'll give you that, Kevin. So. Okay. Thanks. Wow. Well. <laughs> oh my God. This has been so incredible. But Ms. Peyton, thank you so much for talking to us well, and sharing yeah. your incredible list. But I, we, I want uh, everybody to find out what what projects do you have coming up because there's so much happening in your career right now. Well, I actually did. A, I've done a, a few movies. Uh, I have one coming out, one that I'm in rather. Uh, I think we. I found out we have a Christmas release, and that is the Little Mermaid, the live action version with William oh Mosley from the Royals yeah. and. Uh, uh, Poppy Drayton, I think it's Poppy's last name, Drayton. Uh, Gina Gershon, Shirley, um, God, I can't even think of everybody that's in it. At any rate, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm real happy with what I, what I saw and what I did. So, you know, we'll see what happens. That's oh my God. Okay, we have to, I have to ask, who are you, who are you playing in The Little Mermaid? Can you tell us? Lorraine. Her name is Lorraine. I play. Okay. I'm the I'm the housekeeper. I'm the lady who owns the house that um, William Mosley's character and his little sister come to in order to find the mermaid. They come to Mississippi and they wow. stay with me, and we kind of become like partners in a way, you know, um, in oh, the story. And you you have to watch the rest of it, but it's a very wonderful, endearing uh, feature. Uh, beautiful young lady, uh, Loretto. What is Loretto's name? I can't even remember what her last name is. Anyway, but she's a fabulous little actress. Um, very, very famous in uh, in uh, Mexico. And uh, but you never would know she was she was Mexican. But at any rate, it's a beautiful show. I was glad that I did. Shirley MacLaine. That's okay. what I was Shirley MacLaine is in it also. Uh, one of the big stars in it. And also, wow. I'm, I'm I'm very pleased with uh, what I've seen and. And from what I heard, you know, about the movie. So that's a release. But there's also another movie that I did, Jericho, that has won about 15 awards. And it's really um, a take on the civil rights movement today that the boat, we got the boat. Mm. These fabulous uh, directors and producers, uh, Sakita and Brandon Taylor, took a very serious subject and just did a nice balance on it and came up with this movie, Jericho, which I think everybody should see. Now, they'll have a release coming up also. 
And I went to Texas and shot that one. That's a movie I'm very proud of. Oh, wow. It's a very good movie. It has its funny and light sides to it, although you may not think it had, it does, but it does. And it has a serious side to it, but it was very well done. And uh, deserving of all the awards that it's won so far. So that'll be coming out, so I did that one. Then I have another movie coming up that I'm going to do in about two weeks, but I don't want to talk about it yet until they give me my deal memo. <laughs> 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 oh my god tachi we need to start playing instead of playing six degrees of kevin bacon we need to play uh six degrees of ms peyton because jesus every her career touches every <laughs> it absolutely does yeah. it, it's amazing and and you're amazing miss peyton thank you and we're working on a project right now chidachi and i for another show i'm going to tell you the name of it right now the title of it is something to eat with joe marie and it's a cooking show and it's going to be a hit too Oh my God, we love Food TV. I am so excited. I am so excited and so jealous about this project. And not something to eat with a G, something to eat. Something to eat with Joe Marie. Wow. All right. I look, fo- I look forward to getting a big forkful of that show. That sounds like it's going to be incredible. Right. Fantastic. Joe, Miss Joe Marie Payton. We are so blessed and honored that you graced us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you, guys. Love you, Kevin. Oh, my God. I love you way more. But uh, thank you so much (laughs) for being on our show and um, sharing Uh, all these incredible stories and singing for us. I so appreciate it. I I know. Where else would you get this? You all should be. you've, you've, You've got to listen and share this out. Because where where else would you hear the Aunt Miss Joe Marie, the Honorable, like she, yeah, the Honorable Joe Marie Payton <laughs> singing like that? Because she's also, I mean, she's, you have an album as well. You have right. a couple of albums, right? I have one, one. Southern, Southern Shadows. Fantastic. You've got it's to listen doing to some it. of the, some grown folks music on there. Some of the old standards, uh, What a Difference a Day Makes, What a Difference a Day Makes. Uh, my funny Valentine. I'm glad there is you. Wonderful world. Masquerade. Oh, okay, yeah, they, it's got a lot of stuff. Are on. they available on iTunes? They are available everywhere. We're not getting a dime. <laughs> <laughs> Go on YouTube. Go on YouTube and punch it up, and uh, you'll oh, see it. There you go. Okay, there you have it. So. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, please make sure that you share this out. Let's thank Miss Jo Marie Payton again for being here. And this has been a really awesome. Thank you, Kevin, for clapping. Thank you. I'm giving her a standing. She can't see you, but I'm doing a standing ovation right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm picturing you standing. Thank you, sweetheart. (laughs) Thank you. This has been TV channeling. Um, I am going, thank you so much for listening. It's because of you all that we even do this. It's so much fun. And you can actually uh, listen to us everywhere. There's no excuse. You can hear this episode and all our other episodes on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Podbean. And if you go to tvchanneling.com, it takes you right there. Easy peasy. Kevin, how can they find us on social? Okay, we are everywhere on social media. We are on Snapchat. We are on uh, the Gram, Insta, 
Um, <laughs> we're also available on Facebook and on my personal favorite, Twitter. And we are TV channeling everywhere. We love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for us um, or any questions for Miss Peyton, we will get them to her. <laughs> um, so just, just contact us on any of the platforms. We love to hear from you. If there's any shows you'd like us to review, any news stories that we haven't talked about that you want to hear Tachi or my take on, let us know. So we would love to hear from you. Fantastic. And with that, we're going to let you get back to what you were doing before you were listening to this fabulous show. So <laughs> with that, I'm going to say bye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And, and remember, bye from Miss Peyton. And goodbye from Miss yes. Peyton. And remember, if you're watching it, Tachi, Kevin, and Miss Peyton are talking about it. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.